Hey, today on my show, I am bringing on Amanda Neely, who is best known as the wealthy grandma. We are going to be discussing money, entrepreneurship, and the partnership between the two, and how to have better money mindset. So who doesn't want to know that? So I'm gonna stop gapping, and we're just gonna get right onto the show and get you to meet Amanda. You're listening to Be In Demand, the podcast for honest advice, inspiring stories, and ideas for growing your business by leveraging the expert that you are. I'm your host, Loria Mirabito, business mentor, and I'm also a reformed, painfully shy girl, red wine lover, and exercise enthusiast. Join me as I share how being positioned as the expert in your industry, even if it's a busy one, will help you stand out and be the one in demand to hire and work with. What's the big, what's the biggest tip when it comes to because you and I were like talking just before I hit record about having our voice in our money. Say more. Yeah. Yeah. Our mothers, our grandmothers, they pioneered the way for us to be able to have a voice when it comes to money. And I see way too many women not living into that privilege, into that responsibility. And I wish we could do it more. And I know there's a lot of reasons why we don't, why we're scared to, why we're not even heard when we try, but there, there could be some ways that we might make sure that we set the stage for having our voice be heard when we, um, when we'll, there's a listening ear to actually hear us. Okay. Let's just for our listeners, like define, like what is having a voice in your money? Yeah. So a picture this, this, I'm going to give the picture of what Mm -hmm. having a voice does not look like. Uh, let's say you've got a significant other who's male and you go to meet with a financial professional who more than likely is also male. You go into the room, you know, this nice little conference room, there's maybe a whiteboard and a couple little chairs. They offer you something to drink. Super nice. Everybody's super friendly, but when it gets to the brass tacks, when you get to the agenda of the meeting, you notice the financial professional is only looking at your male spouse and you try to jump in or you do jump in. And yet what you share is discounted or they, they start doing some mansplaining of different things. The other way, you know, like that's often when ladies try to put their voice into the conversation, that's often what happens. I completely agree. I will share a story that actually I talk about this every once in a while, you know, when people talk about, um, oh, I don't have the money to make this investment right now, like in a coach in one of my programs, is that I had to put a $25,000 roof, on, new roof on my home. And just because something was actually wrong with the original shingles, my house wasn't even that old, you know, and there wasn't, it's not like I had a $25,000 like, you know, bucket downstairs in the basement, like, hey, this is gonna be for the roof one day. And I had to make the decision. My husband um, wasn't, he was just like, no, we don't need a new roof. No, no. And I just like, and when I made that decision, signed the proposal, he was so mad. Mm. And I was just like, oh, shit. Yeah, there was um, the lack of voice. But you know what? He actually did come around when they were here and was like, it was a really good experience. You picked the right person. Mm. But just like what you're saying, that was very uncomfortable. So I completely agree. I do. And 
Yeah. That yeah. When it comes to money, it's like it's usually they're looking at the guys like, but aren't women like we are what what's the, the percent of the buying power here Correct. in the US? Yeah. It's, right. It's yeah. high. Yeah. Well, if you're talking to a marketer or an advertiser, they're going to talk to the woman in the room because they know she's the one that ultimately makes a decision. But there's always been kind of this divide between who runs the budget in the household, decides where the money's spent, and who runs the financial plan of the household, decides where you're going to invest, how you're going to make sure you've got the right money for retirement, when you start taking money from your pension, if you've got one, all those kind of decisions have been historically left up to the men. And when, but there's so many women who are on, who are strong, who, um, if they're not on their own, they might lead the financial decisions in their, their relationship. Um, I, in fact, in my relationship, we're very much like co-doing everything together. It's kind of how we've always operated. And I'm really thankful for that but I'm the one that's more analytical and detailed. And so I'm doing the like pros and cons analysis of the options and bringing them to my husband to be like, okay, here's what I think we should do. Any objections is <laughs> where hell it works for us. And I know there's so many women out there that it's like that, but I've learned a few things too, even though we have this kind of relationship of how to bring more of my femininity without making him feel like I'm hating on men or pushing him under the carpet, right? Or uh, things like that, as well as I've seen so many women that I've been able, especially as a female financial professional, to enter into the relationship and bring their voice out when they didn't feel like they could before. So I'd love to share some of those tips with folks. Please, yeah. Okay. But I got a, I got a first question Yeah. before, before we go down that, that uh, avenue. How'd you get into this? Great question. So I never thought I would ever be a financial professional. I'm actually kind of surprised I'm here. I did not, you know, I would, I didn't even know that people like I existed. I was born um, in a pretty poor family. My parents on public assistance. My mom went back to college in her thirties so that she could get a job to provide for our family. Um, when I, I like loved watching save the whale documentaries, wanted to like save the rainforest. So out of college, I went straight into the nonprofit sector. I was going to make the world a better place. I thought that's the only way you could do it. And over the course of my twenties, my eyes were open time and again of yeah, nonprofits do great work, but businesses provide jobs and can transform communities. So my husband and I started a local independent coffee shop in Chicago and it was amazing. And we built relationships and we did good for the coffee farmers far away and for our community close by. We loved it when uh, we were about eight years in from when we actually opened the doors I found out I was pregnant. We are having some landlord issues. We decided to sell that business. We were thinking, what do we do now? And I said to my husband, you got to go maybe back to that cubicle job that you left before we started this business because no one's going to hire me. You know, I was obviously pregnant by that time. And our financial professional came to us and was asking, do you know anybody who'd want to do what I do? And when I heard that, I said to my husband, he's made such a difference in our lives and the work we've done together. You could do what he does. You're, you're good at talking to people and sales and everything. And so he applied. 
our, um, who's now our mentor, his name is Mark. He came back, was like, nope, you're too entrepreneurial. You, if you're in the financial sector, you got to stay in a box. And, um, so we're like, okay, guess you're going to the cubicle. <laughs> and then a couple months later, Mark came back to us and was like, actually, we were thinking about it. Amanda's a little bit more of the in the box kind of person. I studied music. So like I get the music theory, you follow the theory. And then it's interesting when you go outside the box with music. Right. And then you can come, you know, um, so he's like, you could, she'll keep you guys both in the box when it comes to the things that have to stay in the box, but I want you to like do your own business, have the ability to express your entrepreneurship in the branding and the name and all that kind of thing. So we start, we sold the business, the first business, we trained the new management, handed it off. The next day we started training with him and I, I had this like, okay, I'll do the background side of the business. I do not want to be in sales. I don't want to be pushy. I'm a, I'm like half introverted. I want to be talking to people all day. And I found that the one-on-one or the two-on-one conversations when I'm working with couples fits really well to my half introverted side. That's interesting. And, and I've never felt pressured to do sales either because of my mm-hmm. own business. I'm not, I don't have this like quota or anything I have to meet. So I just get to talk to people um, and see them break through to smart, stable financial futures. It's, it's truly a joy. Wonderful. So let's go on to the the yeah. avenue. Okay. Let's go down that avenue now. <laughs> yeah. So, and there, yeah, there's been all kinds of people I've talked to, women coming out of divorce who are finding their voice, um, couples. And I found that if the couple can get clear on their goals, or if the you know single lady can get clear on her goals, where she wants to go, mm-hmm. and not necessarily like have a smart goal kind of thing, but even just visioning when I'm 80, this is what I want life to be like when I'm 50, this is what I want life to be like. Here's, you know, the things that are really important to me, Mm -hmm. forgetting about money, forgetting about financial products to start with, but just spending time pretending like we get to control the rest of our lives and dreaming. What do we want that to look like? And that's actually really fun for a lot of couples to do. And they might disagree, right? Someone might want to move halfway across the country if they got to, and the other might be like, no, I want to stay here. But then you, you know, well, what's important about moving halfway across the country? What's important about staying here? It gets to more of the values and the things that are kind of behind the, you know, the tangible goal that we might have and having that conversation and being like, actually, you know, I want to move because I want to be closer to family. And well, I want to stay here because I like being far away from family, but I'd like to visit them more can often get to some of, well, how could we stay here, but maybe buy a second home or travel more often. Right. And then you get to, because you've gotten to the values behind it, you can then brainstorm, well, how could we accomplish both of our things in a different way? And it allows for more of that creativity. And then, and only then do you go to, well, what financial products, what financial strategies do we need to match what we want to do? Great. So most of my listeners are entrepreneurs and they're probably, you know, make a lot of investments in their business. You know, where does the voice come up with investments in a business? Yeah. So 
definitely starts with the same thing for business. Where do you want your business to go? What's important about that to you? It can be very different if you're planning to sell your business or stay in your business or hire staff or stay a solopreneur, right? You have to get kind of clarity there. And then you got to check in on yourself. One of the things I think about a lot with reinvesting in my business Mm-hmm. is that it's almost like if I'm going to reinvest everything in my business, it's like I'm at a casino table and I'm putting all the chips on the table with what I'm reinvesting in, in that moment. Mm-hmm. I, but like a couple months from now, I might learn something new. I have a growth mindset. Most entrepreneurs do. I might learn something new in a couple months. And now all my chips are on the table two months ago. I don't have anything to reinvest now, or I'm limited a little bit until like my next big deal comes in or something like that. I would much rather, if you've got a reinvestment opportunity, think about, well, what percentage would I want to put into this and what percentage would I want to keep? Because I know I'm going to grow and have something better in two months, two years. Right. And so maybe it looks like not reinvesting everything all the time, but keeping a little vault, keeping a little fund on the side for when that um, really amazing opportunity comes up or God forbid, there is an emergency if you use it for something else. Nice. I like that. And with that, you know, like growth mindset, because I, I think I think as entrepreneurs, you know, like I know myself, I always have to evaluate like when I'm investing in team, investing in another program, investing in a new website, what is the ROI that I'm going to be getting back from that? You know, because if I'm not if I'm not going to get an ROI, then it's, you know, like I tell clients like why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. But when you were talking about like what is the bigger vision, there is a, a monthly luncheon that I run with a local chamber. And it's just a woman's business luncheon. And one of the ladies that attends this is, uh, she's past her one year mark with the uh, an insurance office. So she's she's got her blessing basically from State Farm saying, we believe in you, you're gonna make it. And so I did ask her like, well, what do you want? You know, it took several questions. I'm just like, she's like I want a profitable audience, uh, office. What is that? what is that you know and i was like how many agents is that that's working in your office you know and like do you have another office that is kind of like that's my dream office like i that's the direction that i'm moving in it was funny how it it just took a lot to get there but she landed on it and i could just see her face light up yeah yeah as soon as she was actually able to verbalize it so i love i love that So what else? Yeah. And so you've got to remember, it's not always about the tangible. There's also the intangible side with actually us women often can tap into that a little more easily than some of our uh, counterparts. And it's kind of, it might be like that state farm agent you're talking about. Maybe there's the I want to be able to only work 30 hours a week or 20 hours a week and still be able to maintain that office. And what am I going to do with my time then? How is that going to make me feel? What kind of freedom is that going to bring? One of my favorite questions when someone says, I want financial freedom, what does financial freedom look like to you? 
Because mm-hmm. that word gets tossed around a lot, but everyone has their own unique definition. I've never come across the same definition, even if it's, well, I get to do when I want, how I want, and when I, you know, with who I want to, you know, kind of thing. But it's like, but what are those things you want to do? And everybody's got their own story. Sure, it might be traveling, but it's like, but short term travel nearby travel, longer term travel all around the world. Do you have a bucket list of places? It's a lot of fun to get into those details because then your money has to follow that. And it's going to do, you're going to need it to do different things depending on what you want to do. And particularly with business, you're trying to build an income. And so I like to think of ROI as return on of income. I'm investing to grow the income. It's not I'd, I want a return of income, not necessarily a different metric, like more sales It actually has to be income in my pocket. Mm-hmm. So how do you recommend that women go about starting to use their voice with money, with investment? What's, yeah. what's, do you have a process? Yeah. My favorite thing is to have what we call a money meeting, which sounds intimidating at first but it's really just over dinner, hopefully, you know, like maybe a dinner you didn't cook, you're out somewhere, maybe with a nice glass of wine or some ice cream planned afterward or something like that. Just starting with, hey, what do you want life to look like in 10 years? What do you want life to look like in five years? Let's let's dream a little bit, go into some of those values and you don't even have to bring up money at first. And then at Um, if it's the kind of relationship where you might need to, you might ask permission to say, can we talk about how our money is going to help us get these places that we just dreamed about? Can we talk about, you know, how we're doing financially so that we make sure we get those dreams a reality. And that's often an easier bridge to make. Mm -hmm. So once you've kind of done that, set your sights, right. You've got those dreams, you know, where you're going to then do some check-ins and ask questions about, well, how are we doing with our cash flow? What's come in? What's gone out? Is that getting us closer to our goals? How are we doing with our assets and our debts and our actual like progress toward the, you know, some of those goals? Are they in line? And then the thing that a lot of folks do is then just get overwhelmed with all the things that could happen. Right. And that's also where there's some guilt or shame that often comes into the conversation. Well, you overspent on blah, 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 or you chose the wrong investment here or there. What's amazing is that you can take that judgment aside and you can just say, well, we can't go back and change anything. What's the small shift we could do? What's the little like 1% adjustment we could make to start moving things closer to where we set our dreams? And I would encourage people, don't jump to an expense cutting thing first, cut to a different kind of shift, something that's going to increase income or increase time freedom, right? Like asking for a raise if you're at work or, you know, deciding you're going to pay yourself more rather than continuing to reinvest as much, you know, or that kind of thing, or shifting this investment here or there to, you know, something that's more aligned with your goals. And then you go do it. And then here's the next key part. You schedule the next money meeting. You come back and you do this all over again. You check in. Has anything changed about our goals, where we want to go, our dreams? What do we do here? Um, And now to, you know, um, make that a reality, you go through that same process again and again. 
I like that. I like that a lot. So what about having a voice when it comes to, you know, like as entrepreneurs, we have to sell our services, sell our products, you know, put ourselves out there. Where does our voice show up with selling? Yeah, this has been a hard one for me um, because I don't consider myself a salesperson. I hate sales. I get that whole used car salesman kind of thing in my head when I picture someone, but it was really thinking about like, what's genuine to me? What's authentic to me? I love um, uh, sharing information. I kind of, I hoard information. I love to collect it. If you're familiar with the Enneagram, I'm a five. I could, you know, put, okay. (laughs) Put it all around me, cover me with books. I'm good. And my growth is sharing that information. And Mm -hmm. so I tell my, um, perspective clients, the more questions you ask me, the more resources you ask for, the better I feel like I'm doing my job. And I approach sales at like a teacher. I'm not here to sell you anything. I'm here to help inform you, help ask the right questions, kind of the, um, the questioning method. What's that guy, that philosopher's name that would, um, the Socratic method, right. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm here to help you learn so that you feel great about whatever you decide, whether it's to work with me or right. not. And each person I feel like needs to come to how they would sell best. Right. So as a seven, I don't know, you're, you're focused toward joy. So maybe I can imagine you're asking questions and trying to figure out how does the person you're trying to sell to, what about this experience would bring joy to them and making sure you bring joy to them all along the process. Cause that's what you find valuable too. Did I, is that close. What's so funny about my Enneagram is like when I, I, and I've done the test multiple times and I'm just like seven cheapest crow joy. And it's like, come on, I want something different. Mm. <laughs> I want something more constructive, um, which is just, which is very much me. So in the human design, I'm actually a manifesting generator too. It's like mm. fly by the seat of my pants. Let's get shit done. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to like what we were talking about with sales, like one of the things that, you know, when I'm working with clients or in my group programs, you know, and I get them to like, here's what to expect mm-hmm. when you're speaking to meeting planners, when you're speaking to the coach who's running the high end mastermind, when you're t- speaking to somebody that's on a pod, like you're interviewing them to be having that pre-meeting, kind of like what you and I did before I was on your podcast, you know, there are certain questions that you're going to be asking about like, what is your audience? Like what's, you know, like what are the problems, you know, that your audience is is suffering from, Mm. you know, so that you get to see, am I the right person? So yeah, I I teach more about like asking questions just so that you get to then provide like, here's the best solution. Here's what program, here's what speech, here's what presentation or workshop I should be running in your mastermind or the information Mm -hmm. I'm sharing on your podcast, you know? So just like you said, so that coach, that podcast, like get, they get to decide this is the one that's going to work in here. So I I love that. Thank you very much for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I heard a little bit in there that you're making sure you're defining the pain point and then making sure that whatever your offer is, is going to solve that pain point and probably increase joy. <laughs> you just had to bring that joy right back in there, didn't you? <laughs> I don't know that much about the Enneagrams, um, I will admit. And it's probably because when I see that I'm a seven, I'm just like, gosh, mm. joy, come on. <laughs> 
Yeah. Maybe it's because you're a mature seven and you, you know, cause they're, that's what I love most about the Enneagram. So it doesn't just say who you are. It shows your path to maturing. So as a five, I mature to an eight, maybe as a seven, you mature probably to like a one or something like that, which is, I think more of the perfection oriented, maybe you're, you're already kind of orienting that way. And so it's kind of like, yeah, I'm not a seven anymore. I'm maturing already. Darn, I'm going to have to like look more into this now. <laughs> <laughs> I have a book right on my shelf in front of me. Um, the Enneagram by Richard Rohr, one, my favorite one. And then another one, the Enneagram in Love and Work that talks about how different Enneagram numbers correspond to each other. And I, anytime I um, hire someone new or I, I recently took on a mentee to teach uh, how to be a professional like I am one. And I immediately like, what's your Enneagram? And then let me look at how we connect and he's a nine and we connect around systems like the five and the nine. If we just stay focused on systems and how to make systems work better, we're going to have a great relationship. Oh, that's interesting. I have, I typically will use the disc, the four quadrant hmm. personality profile, you know, and, um, a VA agency just sent me over someone's and I was just like, Oh no, they're way too much like me. We're not going to get along. They're not going to want to do the mundane tasks that I don't want to do. So I'll have, I, again, I'm going to have to like, you'll have to send me those books. Yeah. Disc is great too. I love that one. Yes. I used to teach disc when I was like, you know, teaching and doing speaking in corporate. So can you just like give people like one other juicy tip? Yeah, actually. So I went through that, how to have a money meeting thing mm -hmm. and it might be hard to remember. So we codified it into an acronym. Uh, it's still S T I L L. And, um, we have actually a PDF that people can download at stillmethod.com that goes through each of these five things and it has questions attached on that uh, PDF for here's the questions to ask for each one of these letters. So the S is set your sights, right? That's where you dream, uh, develop goals, all the, those kind of things. T is track your in and outs. Look at what's come in, what's going out. Mm -hmm. I is inspect your progress. How are we doing at getting to our goals? The first L is look for the 1% adjustment, the small shift we can make. And then the final L is to live deliberately, to put it into action. Now, here's the really juicy tip. You can do this with your business too. I was just going to say that, like you could do use still with anything in your yeah. life, not just your business, not Except, just yeah. speaking, not just, you know, like whatever the goal is, you know, like finding a new home or going on a vacation or even losing weight. Mm -hmm. You know, I was just at the gym actually in this entire month. I've been, my workout has been pushing a sled with whatever weight, you know, and, yeah. you know, so, like so, so many, so many reps and so many laps, so to speak. Um, and I'm just like, I'm seeing the difference. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I love that still. So I'm going to, that will, you know, if you're listening to this, that will definitely be down in the show notes. Oh, I Thank love you. it. So. Thank I mean, just because people, I know people are like going to be listening to this and then they're going to want to know a little bit more about you. Tell people like, where can we find you? 
Yeah. The best place is stillmethod.com. Get that PDF, start using it. Let us know how we can help you maybe figure out some different 1% adjustments. We love brainstorming with people that way. And then of course, wherever you're listening to this podcast, if you're watching on YouTube, you can look up the Wealth Wisdom Financial Podcast or Wealth Wisdom Financial Channel on YouTube. And we'd let, we've got all kinds of educational type content, as you might expect from a five. My husband's an eight. So there's a little bit of pushiness in there too, uh, for how our videos go to help motivate people to keep, um, moving forward on their financial journey in ways that are going to get them where they want to go. Wonderful. And you have a podcast too. Yep. Yeah. And, um, the YouTube channel, Lorian, we've already interviewed you. There it was an amazing interview. Go look her up, watch that uh, episode. It was amazing. Especially the story that you shared that everyone's always asking you to share. I'm glad we got it onto YouTube. Which story was, did I share was uh, about your dad? About my dad. Yes. The jackknife story. The jackknife. Yep. Yes. Yeah. I think you put me on the spot to like, tell that story. <laughs> I did dead. Yeah, that was good. That was good. Thank you. So everybody, if you're, if you're watching this or you're just listening to this, like you can just like pop on down to the show notes to get more information, but I would say definitely go and start listening to this woman, go download that PDF. Even if you like use it, you know, like the still method, whether you use it in, in your money, in your business, in any goal that you have, I think it's just a very unique um, and fresh perspective versus the smart goal math, you know, goal achievement method, which everybody's been talking about. So I, I really like yours. So thank, thank you, you so much for coming on the show today and sharing your wisdom. Thank you for having me, Lorianne. It's been a truly a pleasure. So everybody who is uh, listening or watching, have a fabulous week and be in demand. Thanks for hanging out with me. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And join me over in my private Facebook group for more tips, community, and free trainings. You'll find the link in the show notes. You can also help this podcast reach more listeners by leaving a review. And as a thank you, each month I pick one of my reviewers to win a free coaching call with me. So if you haven't done so already, please leave a review and you could be the next winner.